Good morning, church. Good morning. How are y'all doing this morning? I'm Pastor Rob. I'm one of the pastors here at Bridge, if you are new with us. And um, I'm excited to be here this morning. Um, isn't it good just to celebrate God this morning? Be in His presence and worship Him. Yeah. Oops, sorry, Lisa. So good. So good to be in His presence. It's fun to celebrate, right? Celebrating our kids and our college students, our high school grads and our college grads this morning. You know, I'm so excited to see how God continues to lead these young people as they they pursue God and pursue their relationship with Him and grow in Him. Um, Yeah, so this morning, um, I get to speak. I get to speak like every every four weeks, five weeks, something like that. And and I'm I'm excited to share this morning. Um, There's been something... For probably two weeks, I've been like mauling on this, chewing on this. Uh, today is the Sunday after Pentecost, right? So last Sunday, Pastor Paul talked about the power of Pentecost. And um, this morning, um, I am going to try to pick up where he left off. Is that okay? So if you weren't, didn't hear last week's message, I would encourage you. Um, I'm going to try to bring up the speed real quick, but I would encourage you, go on our website, check out the video, listen to the audio, um, to, to get brought up to speed on, on, on Pentecost and, uh, and where we're at here. And um, yeah. So we're going to be in Acts 1 and Acts 2. So if you have your Bibles and you want to try to follow along this morning, I'm going to use a bunch of scripture, but like, let's start there. So if you want to, if you would like to have, like to open up your Bibles to that, you can do that. And I'm going to try to give you a quick recap of, of where we're at in Pentecost. Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit was given to the believers. See, Jesus ministered on earth and, um, Resurrected, and when he was getting ready to go away and leave earth, he sent his promised Holy Spirit. In Acts 1, 4, and 5, it says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus speaking. He says in Luke 24, 49, Jesus says, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. The power of Pentecost is God's presence living in every believer, in every follower of Jesus Christ. In Acts 1.8 it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You might say, Pastor Rob, power for what? Well, Pastor Paul last week summarized, summarized it, and I love it. He said, The power of Pentecost brings outward multiplication and inward transformation. It's good, right? It's good. I want to rephrase it just a little bit because I want to just move move things around a little bit. This morning, as we talk about it, this is what we're going to talk about it this morning. The power of Pentecost brings brings inward transformation that leads to outward multiplication. Just switching the two words around. This morning, my goal is to help us with the how, right? The how. How does the power of Pentecost? Bring inward transformation that leads to outward multiplication. The power of Pentecost in everyday life. Experiencing the power that brings inward transformation that leads to outward multiplication. And this morning, 
I have four points, four main points, and we're going to talk about each one of them, and then we're going to bring some practical application to each, to each one of those points as well. Like, things that you could practically do, like, today, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, this week. So, how can we bring, how can we experience the power of Pentecost that brings inward transformation? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much, God. Thank you for the opportunity that I have to speak and share what is on my heart. God, I pray that you would uh, let me speak clearly. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts for what you have for us today. And it's your name I pray. Amen. Inward transformation. How can we experience the power of Pentecost that brings inward transformation that leads to outward modification? You say, you know, Pastor Rob, last week I heard Pastor Paul talk about uh, the power of Pentecost, and, and I, want, I want more. What now? How can I experience it in my everyday life? Well, I have a few points that we're going to talk about. The first one is, is, I, is clean your house. Clean your house. And I, I, and, I, <laughs> and I know you say, well, my house isn't dirty. Like, I clean it every week. Like, I'm talking about cleaning your spiritual house, your spiritual temple, the place where the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit dwells. You know, if we're going to invite someone to live with us every day, right, you're going to invite somebody into your house, they're moving in, right, we're going to kind of prepare it for them. We're going to clean it a little bit. And I'm not saying perfect, just, just maybe clean. And um, I know for each one of us, like, clean looks completely different, right? Like, for some of you, clean's like, I took the stuff off a table and I threw it in a closet, so now it looks clean, right? And for some of you, it's like, I took a toothbrush and I scrubbed the grout underneath the cabinets. Like, nobody sees the grout underneath the cabinets, guys. Like, you don't have to do that. But that's what some of you, that's what clean looks like. When I think about this, I think about when Chrissy and I bought our house in Telford um, four years ago. And when we moved in, like, I mean, obviously it was for sale. Like, the house was clean, right? Like, it, it was clean. But as we began to move our stuff in, we had to start cleaning because it wasn't clean, if you know what I mean. Like, there was areas that clearly got overlooked whenever they were cleaning the house, right? And as we lived there, we found areas that got missed, maybe for a few years, that needed to be cleaned. Like, I think about the area, there was this area between, in our bathroom, there was a vanity. And there was like this one-foot area that was between the vanity and the wall. And we walk into the bathroom, never see it. Go to the bathroom, never see that little area. That area was dirty. And I don't know why, it was always dirty. It was dirty since we moved in there. Actually, I think the first time it got cleaned is when we moved out, just to be honest with you. (laughs) This is when we sold the house. But we found areas that needed to be clean. And this is what the Holy Spirit does, right? When we invite Holy Spirit into into our lives and we hear the gospel, Ephesians 1.13 says, And you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. When he moves in, he begins to help us clean our lives. He begins to help us clean our house. Second Corinthians says that there's new life after, after salvation. So a transformation, we're talking about this inward transformation, a transformation has begun. And the Holy Spirit is, is in us. And he helps us identify those areas that we need to clean. Some areas aren't visible to the public. Like that area that was between my vanity and the wall, like that area wasn't really visible to the public. But he brings them to our attention so we can address them. 
And you say, Pastor Rob, I want to experience the power of Pentecost in everyday life. Can I tell you that sin in our lives can extinguish the power of the Holy Spirit in us? Ephesians 4.30 in the New Living Translation says this. It says, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So how do we practically do this? We must practice repentance, confession of sin in our life. We have to clean our house often. Clean our house daily. This is, this is pursuing holy living. And I don't mean you have to be perfect, guys. Like, I know that sometimes like, this sounds like super works-based, like where I have to do all this and I have to say the right thing and I have to do this and I have to be perfect. That's not what it is. But what, I'm, what I am saying is asking you the question, what are you filling yourself with? What do you fill yourself with? Are you filling yourself with the things of God or the things of the world? Do you filter what you allow in your life based on what our culture says is good or permissible or popular? Or do you filter what the filter things that you allow in your life based on what the Word of God says? And often the filter that the Word of God says might be countercultural of what our culture might say, right? But if we want to experience the power of Pentecost in everyday life, we have to clean our house. We have to filter what we allow in to our house. I think about my grandparents, right? They have a, I'm allergic to cats, by the way. And my grandparents have this air purifier, right? And they say, well, Rob, you can come and stay at our house because we have this air purifier. Yeah, the laugh that you get is the same laugh that I give them, and I think sometimes they get offended. So if you're watching this morning, Grandma and Pap, I'm sorry. I'm using this as an illustration. Sometimes the filter that we as humans put on our own lives are like that air purifier. They pull out the things that are big. They pull out the things that we shouldn't allow in that maybe are addictions or these bigger items. But the filters that we install in our own lives sometimes, they don't filter out the small pet dander. I go into their house, within five minutes, I'm sneezing, I'm coughing. Well, the air purifier's been running for a week. You better throw the air purifier away, because it ain't working. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, the only filter that we can use is the filter of God's word, the truth of God's word, what we allow into our lives. So, number one, you want to experience the power of Pentecost in everyday life. Clean your house. Clean your house. Number two, avoid distraction. You say, Pastor Rob, you're, gonna go th- you're going through your points pretty quick. You're already on number two. You've been up there for five minutes. Because I want to get to the practical application piece, okay? So I want to in- I wanna get to how we actually put, put, put feet to this. Number two is avoid distractions. Be devoted. Be devoted to what? Well, in the New Testament believers, we look in the book of Acts, and we look at the, the New Testament believers, they were devoted to four things, right? The Holy Spirit came, in Acts 2.4, and later in that chapter, Acts 2.42, it says they were devoted to four things. And we see them. They were devoted first to the Word of God. And in, the, in, in Scripture, it says, in Acts 2.42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching was the Word of God. They didn't have the Bible like you and I do. They didn't have a smartphone that they could just go and hit the Bible app and look up whatever Isaiah said or, you know, that sort of idea. They didn't have that. They had what the apostles had seen and learned from Jesus himself. 
They had what the apostles had memorized from the scrolls that were in the temple. Christianity is a word-based religion. God revealed to us, reveals himself to us in books and words. God revealed himself to us through his word, the Bible. His word must be what is part of our everyday life. See, our world says that if you're unhappy, change your situation. If things are going wrong, change your circumstances. If life seems bleak, then change what's going on around you. But Christianity says, no, it's not what's going on on the outside that needs to change. It's what's going on on the inside. What are you... What is going on on the inside of you? Christianity says it's a heart problem. And the only way that a dead heart comes to life or a hard heart is softened is through the word of God inside of you, getting the apostles' teaching inside of you, getting, his, getting the scripture inside of you. You've heard me say this, and it's something that, you know, as a church we're going to address this fall, but in a more intentional and transformational way, is that we live in a biblical illiterate society. Studies say that only 32% of people who attend church on a regular basis actually read their Bible on a daily basis. Only 32% who attend church on a regular basis read God's word every day. That amazes me. I ask you this question. If you're part of that, part of, if, you're, if you're part of the 70, 68%, sorry, my math like this morning, I'm like, wow. I, I, I promise I did really good in math. 68, I do good. Uh, 68% um, of the people who, who don't read their Bible every day, how do you survive? How do you survive? I, I wouldn't. Let's go a step further. We had our kids up here this morning, right? And, and we're celebrating them moving up. How are your kids going to survive? If they don't know the word of God, because they're not going to get it in school, they're not going to get it in this world that's filled with sin and lies. We have to read it every day, memorize it as a family. I think one of the most important things I believe that my my parents did for me growing up was they challenged me to memorize scripture, challenged me to memorize scripture. They put me in this thing called Bible quiz (laughs) and I didn't, I didn't do it as a, like a little kid. If you're familiar with Bible quiz, they have like a little kids program that's like flashcards. And then as you get older, it's like, oh, here's the book of John. I have to memorize that? I remember mine was Hebrews. My first year was Hebrews. And I remember, memor- I, I can basically quote chapters from the book of Hebrews because I learned it as a child. I learned it as a, I memorized it as a middle schooler. Those verses are there whenever I'm going through tough times and I don't have time to go research or I don't have my Bible readily available. Those scriptures are speaking into my life and guiding me. People who graduated, high school students who graduate, going to college, your beliefs will be challenged. Your moral compass will be challenged. How will you defend, stand up for, prove, and believe, prove what you believe without being in the word of God? Avoid distractions. Be devoted. Be devoted to the word of God. Number two, they were devoted to each other. Acts 2.42 says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. So we see that they didn't just have a vertical relationship, me and Jesus. right? It wasn't just a vertical relationship with God. But they had an open, honest, and warm, horizontal relationship with each other. 
And this word fellowship here, I know that the, in the modern day church, we've taken fellowship to mean a potluck dinner after service. And um, we call that fellowship. But this word fellowship here in, in scripture, it, it actually like puts it a little bit further. It's an open and honest relationship. It's not just eating together and hanging out, but there's some accountability that happens between, between each other. And if we move down into verse 46, we see that every day they continue to meet together with each other in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Together, together, we see together praising God. Together eating, together in the temple courts. They were a large group in the, church, in the temple, in the church, if you would. And they were small groups in their homes. We are called to do life together. We are called to be part of a body of believers together. We are called to experience the power of Pentecost in our everyday lives in small group gatherings and in large group gatherings with others. Avoid distractions. Be devoted to a body of believers. Be devoted to other Christians, other small groups. Be devoted to the community. community. They were devoted. They avoided distractions by being, by, by being devoted to the word of God, being devoted to each other. Number three, being devoted to God's presence. Acts 2.42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread. And this is sharing in the Lord's table. It's what, what, we, would call, what we would call communion. They were participating in, in 1 Corinthians 10.16. It says that we are participating in the presence of Christ himself when we celebrate the Lord's table. When we're devoted to pursuing the presence of God, something supernatural takes place. And we see this in, verse four, in, in, in Acts 2.43. It says, And everyone was filled with awe with the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. They were devoted to God's presence, and they expected God to move, right? Are you devoted to God's presence? Are you devoted to to being in in fellowship with him and, and being in his presence? Do you expect God to move? So they're devoted to the word of God. They were devoted to each other. They were devoted to his presence. Number four, they were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to prayer. Acts 2.42 says, says, they devoted themselves to prayer. Jesus' instruction, we found last week when Pastor Paul talked about, Jesus' instruction to the the apostles, to this group of people who were waiting on the Holy Spirit to fall, he said, go tarry, go tarry until you receive power. Jesus' instructions were to abide, to stay in one place, Acts 1.4 says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for my gift, the Father has promised you, which you've heard me talk about. So those, that group of believers, they obeyed what Jesus said about waiting. And this is what they did. In Acts 1.14, it says, They all joined together constantly in prayer. They depended on God. They prayed all the time. When the Spirit first fell on them, Acts 1.14 says they were praying continually, and for ten days they prayed. For 10 days they prayed. How do you guys think you could pray continually for 10 days? Right? Like that's a long time. I probably like fall asleep after 10 hours, 10 minutes sometimes, right? Like we're praying. But they prayed. They were devoted to prayer. They prayed for 10 days. The baptism of the, they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Peter preached 
and 3,000 people came to Christ. Avoid distractions. Be devoted to prayer. They were devoted to the word of God, to each other, to God's presence, and to prayer. No matter what. Like there was no compromise for, this group, for, the, for these believers. There was no compromise about what they were devoted to or what they were, or what, or what they were doing. They were devoted to these things. It was their number one priority. When they were busy, they were devoted to God's word. They were devoted to each other. They were devoted to the presence of God. And they were devoted to prayer. When they didn't feel like it, they were devoted to God's word. They were devoted to each other. They were devoted to his presence. They were devoted to prayer. When others didn't agree with them, we see this throughout the book of Acts, others didn't agree with them, they were devoted to God's word. They were devoted to each other. They were devoted to his presence. And they were devoted to prayer. Their lives were built around these four things. And oftentimes in our culture, these four things become the add-on to, what our, to something else, to our life. Like they become like an addition to. They're like an extracurricular activity, right? If I have time, I'll be devoted to God's word. If I have time, I'll be devoted to community. If I have time, I'll be devoted to the presence of God. If I have time or if the right circumstances come around, I'll be devoted to prayer. I implore you, as students, those people who graduated, these four areas are important. When you're at college, starting your life post-graduation, be devoted to God's word. Be devoted to a group of believers. Be devoted to his presence. Be devoted to prayer. It's the only way we can survive. And I believe it's the only way this New Testament church avoided distractions. Because it would have been very easy to be distracted whenever you were the ones that had a target on your back. right? Like these New Testament believers had a target on their back. The only way they stayed focused was because this was their number one priority. God's word, each other, presence of God, prayer. If we want to experience the power of Pentecost in our everyday life, we have to clean our house and we have to avoid distractions by being devoted. Number three, be continually filled. You say, Pastor Rob, what does that mean? The power of Pentecost was not a once and done experience. Oftentimes, as you know, Pentecostal believers, you know, you you might have an experience with the presence and the power of God, and, and, and you're in, you, you get empowered, and we leave it there. It's a one-time thing, and you go twenty years, thirty years down the road, you're still attending church, and you're like, yes, I have experienced the power of God, but it was twenty years ago, it was ten years ago, it was five years ago, it was three months ago. It's an everyday being continually filled. Acts 2, 4, whenever the back, it says that all of them were filled with the Spirit. This is the first time we see this in the book of Acts, when the Spirit fell. In Acts 4, we see Peter and John, after being released from prison, go back to their church, go back to their, this body of believers, in, in which, which some of them were part of this Acts 2 experience in Acts 4. And it says in verse 31, it says, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting were shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They, were in, they, re, they received a, a continual being, being filled, another filling. The writer, you, the writer in the book of Acts uses this descriptor, full of the Holy Spirit, to describe many people. Right? As, as they says, Peter, full of the Holy Spirit. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit. Paul in Ephesians then directs the church in Ephesus he says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And this Greek in the, the Greek here, to be filled with the Spirit, means be comp- it's like being, saying, be repeatedly filled with the Spirit. The, the, if you must know, the tense here is present, 
passive imperative. Say that four times fast. Present passive imperative. It's like saying, it's like saying be repeatedly filled with the Spirit. And how do we do that? Well, it's a good thing you ask because it's what we just talked about. We avoid distractions. We be, de- we be devoted to God's word, to the body of believers, to God's presence, to prayer. We clean house. And when we clean our house, when we avoid these distractions and we become devoted and we are continually filled with the power and the presence of God, we get to number four, to experience the, the power of Pentecost every day. We experience joy. And you say, Pastor Rob, how do we experience joy? Well, we create opportunity for the Holy Spirit to move. Because we are being filled with the power and the presence of God, the result will not just be signs and wonders, which we see in the book of Acts. And the gifts of the Spirit, yes, those will happen, which we see in the book of Acts. But the result will be joy as we create opportunity in our lives for the Holy Spirit to move. Remember what we said earlier. We said that the power of Pentecost is God's presence living in every, believer, in every follower of Jesus Christ, in every believer. The writer in Psalm 16 says, you, you fill me with joy in your presence. Another version says that in his presence, there is fullness of joy. Joy is a result of being in his presence. So if his presence lives inside of each, each person who, filled with the Spirit of God, then why don't we manifest joy in our lives? Why don't we show joy in our lives? Joy is a result of his presence. Joy is a result of being continually filled. Joy is a result of cleaning house. Joy is a result of, of being devoted and avoiding distractions. We see this in the apostles in, the new, in, in this new church. In the same chapter where the, where the Holy Spirit fell in Acts, Acts 2.4, joy was a result. Acts 2.46, at the very end of the chapter, it says, They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. This word glad means joyful. Joyful. In Acts 5, the apostles had been flogged for preaching and sharing the good news. And the word says that they rejoiced. It says the apostles left, in Acts 5.41, it says the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of disgrace for the name of Jesus. They were joyful. Now, I don't know about you, but if I had just been beaten with a whip and rods, I don't think that my natural reaction would be joy. Rejoicing, Right? I mean, my dad growing up, okay, maybe I shouldn't say this, it's, it's on tele. I, I'm going to say it. I, I got whipped. I got spanked as a child. And sometimes that spanking meant like a, twi- a, a branch and I had to go get it off the, off the tree and, or off the bush. And, and sometimes that, that branch, if I didn't bring back the right size branch, you guys know what I mean, because sometimes I'd go pick a blade of grass and be like, here, and then he'd be, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Imagine as a parent how, uh, how excited you would be about if your child brought you that. Anyhow, so I, I, would, get, I would get spanked. Now, it didn't get abused. I was spanked out of love. But I can tell you my natural reaction was not joy. My natural reaction was not, oh, I'm so joyful that you just beat me with a whip and rods, Right? Like the apostles said here. This was only through the Holy Spirit. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit in their life. Later in Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas were expelled from a region in, in Pisidian Antioch. And the scripture says in Acts 13.52 that the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Have you ever been kicked out of some place? 
You ever been pushed out, kicked out? Don't raise your hand because we'll just, no, never mind. You get kicked out of someplace? Our natural reaction when we're kicked out of someplace, somebody's telling us to do something, our natural reaction is, no, I'm going to fight. Like, you don't have the right, right? Like, you can't tell me what to do. That's our natural reaction. But it says they were filled with joy. Joy, I believe, is the connection between inward transformation and outward multiplication. Outward multiplication was a direct result of the joy they experienced from the inward transformation that was taking place. Jesus said, and you will be my witnesses. And I'm going to add this, because of joy. Because there was joy, the joy you're going to experience. Because of the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. See, I believe that joy is the link between inward transformation and outward multiplication. I'm going to try a car analogy this morning, okay? Just to kind of get, paint a picture for us. See, I just about ran out of gas last week in my little Honda Accord. You guys know I have like a little older Honda Accord. The gas light had been on. I actually left work here and the gas light came on on my way home. So the gas light came on and I was thinking, oh, I can make it a little further. And I was like, oh, you know what? I can probably make it home. So I made it home and I was like, I'll get gas tomorrow. Then, you know, I get home and Chrissy's like, hey, we need... I forget what it was, something from the store. So I was like, okay, I'll get in the car and I'll go down to the store. So still planning on getting gas the next day. Well, let's just say I was on my way to work the next day and I'm coming down. You guys know 309, just a little north of like car shop. There's like that hill, that hill that comes down. Well, I'm coming down that hill and it's like spud, 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 spud. And my gas light's still on. I'm like, oh, I forgot to get gas before I got on 309. Thank goodness there was a hillside because I threw it in neutral and came down the hill and there's that little Wawa right there and pulled into Wawa and I was like, oh, thank goodness I didn't run out of gas. But it cost me $75 to fill up my little Honda Accord. Woof. The point of the analogy is a car without gas isn't going too far. Right? On our own power, if we put the car in neutral, we might be able, we might, we might be able to push it a little ways. Maybe even roll down an incline, right? But in our own power, let's be honest, the car isn't going too far. And at some point, if we're trying to do it on our own, we're going to run out of gas ourselves as we're trying to push the car. The Holy Spirit is the gas in the tank. With a tank of gas, that car has the power to the, for the engine to run. And as Zeb would say, vroom, vroom, Right? If we leave the car in neutral with a full tank of gas, we can rev the engine all we want, but we're not going to go anywhere. Joy is a transmission that puts the power of the engine fueled by the Holy Spirit into motion and gets the wheels moving. You guys understand that? We went from neutral to drive because of joy. That makes sense? No? Yes? Okay, okay. <laughs> However... We have to provide the opportunity to put gas in the tank. Ongoing. I can't just fill up my Honda one time when I bought it however many years ago and be like, okay, it's good to go. I'm going to be okay to make it to the next forever, right? We have to continually put gas in the tank. And whenever we're continually providing that opportunity for fueling to take place, there's joy 
overflowing in our lives, and we're able to put power to the world around us. Does that make sense? A little bit of an analogy there? Joy is the connection between the inward transformation, the power of the Holy Spirit that is working in our lives, and the outward multiplication that takes place in the world around us. The Holy Spirit changes us first so that he can use us to help others be changed. Make sense? Something... I ask you this question. Have you ever had something that gave you a lot of joy that you must share it with somebody else? Ever have something like that? Think about something. Maybe it's a place, person, a thing, right? I love the mountains of West Virginia. You guys know me. I'm from West Virginia. I, I, I love the mountains of West Virginia. Man, not, there's not many things or people or places that bring me joy like being in the mountains, fishing, exploring, hiking, that sort of idea. If you ask me where to go on vacation, I'm not going to tell you Hawaii. I'm not going to tell you Florida. I'm not going to tell you Italy. I'm going to tell you, you should, go, you should go to Seneca Rocks, or you should go to Dolly Sods, or you should go to these places. And I'm going to start naming some locations that are great places to enjoy God's creation. I have taken many friends to experience what brings me joy. Those, those areas that, that bring me joy. To just marvel at God's creation and experience the peace that I find there. Some of you, it may be a thrill ride. Some of you, it might be adventure, like skydiving. For some of you, it, it may be a project that you did on your own. For some of you, it might be a car. For some of you, it might be a family heirloom, a possession. I, I think that we all have something that when we see it, or we do it, or we experience it, that brings us joy on some level. This is exactly what the Holy Spirit was to the, first, to the New Testament church, and it's exactly what the, Holy Spirit is, the power of the Holy Spirit is for each one of us. The apostles in this new group of believers experienced the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, and it brought them joy that they couldn't contain because the presence of God is now overflowing in them. The result was outward multiplication. They shared the word of God boldly because of the joy they had experienced. In Acts 4.20, Peter and James were before the Sanhedrin after healing a lame man and preaching the gospel. The scripture says that they said, we cannot help but speak about what we have seen and heard because of the joy that they had. They rejoiced after the, these, the apostles, we just talked about being flogged. They rejoiced after, the, after they had been flogged. And then it says that they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Even when persecution hit the church, in Jerusalem, and the church scattered, joy went with them everywhere they went. In Acts 8, Philip was in another city in Samaria, proclaiming Christ, and the presence of God was experienced. And it says in Acts 8, 8, that there was much joy in that city. They shared the good news of Jesus because of their joy. Can I ask you a question this morning? Do you need joy in your life? Can I encourage you to stop pursuing joy and pursue a deeper relationship with God. Pursue the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Do you need to experience the power of Pentecost in everyday life? Pursue a deeper relationship with God. Practice the things that we talked about of continually being filled, cleaning your house, avoiding distractions, and being, by, by, by being devoted and experience joy. We need to be creating opportunities for the power of Pentecost to move in and through us. Joy that proclaims Jesus to the world around us. So how do we do that? 
How do we do that practically? We've experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in us. How do, we, how do we see that go to the world around us? Well, I think we should look for opportunities for the Holy Spirit to use us. I think that's one of the ways for the Holy Spirit to move. You know, I once was told this analogy is like, the Holy Spirit shouldn't have to speak to you to help the old lady across the street. Right? We should just naturally, as people, do that. But when you're helping the old lady across the street, are you listening for what the Holy Spirit might use that situation for you to spread joy, spread his power, spread his good news to her? Are you looking for opportunities for that? Are you just being a humanitarian by helping her across the street or a good person? Does that make sense? Spirit-empowered people look for opportunities, create opportunities for the Holy Spirit to use them. See, this week, life happened for me. I'm going to be real. Here's real. Here's rubber meets the road, right? Like, Chrissy is at home sick this morning, and she has been sick since Thursday. And I have a one-year-old that's teething. It has been a fun week. Joy has not been a word that has been used in my house very often this week, especially the latter part of the week. So I've been prepping for today. Hard. Honest, hard. Hard. I had some ideas, some thoughts I've been chewing on for a few weeks, but they just didn't seem like they were going like this. Does that make sense? I felt like there were like these thoughts. I felt like Holy Spirit was putting these things in me, but they weren't, they weren't going like this. And I just about called Pastor Paul and said, hey, I'm out for Sunday. Like, you're on. Here's your go card. Sorry, I'm bailing. Friday night, Chrissy was up sick half the night. I texted Paul this, and I said, well, the good news about her being up sick is I got a lot of sermon prep done. (laughs) Because I took time. I sat in my bed, and I said, Holy Spirit, I'm talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Like, can you help me out here? I'm talking about you Sunday. (laughs) And I sat there. I said, you've given me this. You've given me this. I feel like this is a point where you've really spoken to me about. But I'm having a hard time going like this. And I felt like he's, and and this is is the cool thing about the Holy Spirit. It's not about what we can do. It's about what he can do. It's not about my ability. It's about his ability, right? And I sat there, and it was like a supernatural thing took place. And I got out my phone, and I was like, I'm, I, don't, I don't write books when I text, right? Like, I'm usually short and sweet. I'm like, if I show you my notes on my phone, it was like pages of this, what you guys are hearing this morning, right? It was rubber meeting the road. And the time that I spent in his presence gave me joy so I could talk about joy. I was filled with joy so outward things could happen, manifestations of joy could take place. Because honestly, if that wouldn't have taken place, talking to you about joy this morning, about being empowered by the Holy Spirit, what good would that have been? How how do we not experience it in our daily lives on our own? Joy may not always look like bubbly jumping up and down, right? Like, after those guys were flogged, do you think they actually like leaped and skipped out of the city because they were just beaten with whips and rods? No, joy may look like the Holy Spirit using you where you are, despite your inability, taking, using supernatural 
to use you in that moment so you can share it with others. Joy is the connection between inward transformation and outward multiplication. And I I have a little circle that I kind of want to, a diagram as we wrap up this morning that I uh, I want to want to kind of show you guys. Can I see this? Can you guys see this? Okay, right? Holy Spirit empowerment, right? Powered by the Holy Spirit leads to inward transformation. Jesus, the Holy Spirit changes us. Sorry for you guys over here. Pull it back. So you can see. I'm like standing in front of it. So, inward transformation changes in us, brings joy to us, which brings outward multiplication, which might be sharing sharing your faith with somebody. It might be Sharing the goodness of God or goodness of the Holy Spirit, like I just did in here, which brings joy to us again, right? So when we see God change somebody else, doesn't that bring joy into our lives? Which then leads us back to being refilled with the Holy Spirit, right? If we seek Him, we press in Him, and we're continually filled. Then it leads to an inward change in our life again. There's more change. As we live by the Spirit, we begin to look more like Jesus and less like ourselves, right? Which leads to more joy, which then leads to us serving in kids' ministry, right? And as we serve in kids' ministry, and some kid makes the best decision ever to follow Jesus, us, then we're filled with more joy, right? And after that, you see how the cycle works? Then there's an empowerment by the Holy Spirit because we're continuing to press into him. And this cycle, you know what you don't see here? You don't see, oh, I spent five weeks being depressed and I was upset. You don't see, because of my circumstances, I can never be who God wanted me to be. Because we're continually being refilled with the presence and the power of God as we walk, as we walk through that. Do you look for opportunities to allow joy to overflow in your life as a Spirit-empowered people? Do you create opportunities for the Holy Spirit to use you? I'm going to ask our worship team to come this morning. Here are some very practical ways, very practical ways, that you can apply these four, four points to your life this morning and experience the power of Pentecost in everyday life. Number one, clean your house, right? We said clean your house. Some very practical ways. Confess sin this morning. Do you have areas of your heart and of your life that need to be cleaned out? Areas that maybe people don't even know about. We need to filter what we allow into our lives. What filter are you using? And as you begin to filter what you allow into life, maybe you need to stop filling yourself with some things that maybe, yeah, you can move that out of the way, that are maybe counter God's word. Maybe there are some, I'm going to be honest, maybe there's some media. Maybe there's some social media. Maybe there's some TV. Maybe there's some movies. Maybe there's some some things that you need to just begin to filter out of your life. Number two, avoid distractions. Be devoted. Prioritize these four things above all else. Above baseball, above soccer, above football, above above work. <laughs> They're saying hockey. We're naming sports here. Above, I'm going to go even as far as this. Prioritize these four things above family. Prioritize these four things above friends, above busyness. Be in the Word of God every day. If you need help, there's reading plans. The uh, U version has awesome reading plans out there for you to, to, to be involved in. Be devoted to each other. Be in community. Ask somebody to, to, be, to hold you accountable, to be your accountability partner. Be involved in church. Be involved in serving in church. Be involved in community groups. Be devoted to God's presence. Listen. Worship. Talk to him every day. Submit yourself. Yield yourself to him. And be obedient to what he asks. Pursue a deeper relationship with him. When you gather with other believers, when you're praying at home, expect his presence to be there. A practical way, 
quiet time every day. Quiet time. Tear, you know, use, the, use the word to, to tarry, if you would. Find a place, pick a place, meet with him every day in that area, in that, in that spot. Devoted to prayer. Spend time in prayer every day. Dive deeper into your prayer life with him. Come to a Tuesday evening prayer meeting. Can I tell you, I don't come to prayer meetings that often. I'm going to start. This past week, we had an awesome time in God's presence. Praying together. You know what? If your prayer life, if you feel like you have a hard time praying, come to Tuesday evening prayer meeting. Because it will encourage you whenever other people around you are praying. It encourages your spirit to say, hey, you know what? I I can pray. I can talk to God. I can have a conversation with him. I can listen. Pray each and every day. Number three, continually be filled. Once you've experienced the power of Pentecost, don't let it be a once and done event in your life. Continue to pursue a deeper relationship with him. Be willing to allow him to fill you. Spend time this week praying, worshiping, expecting to be filled, expecting to meet with him. And you know, we talked about in our staff meeting this past week, I asked the question, I said, I said, what do you guys do to be? To just be, to be in God's presence. What do you guys do? And you know, I had all, everybody experiences God's presence in a different way. Some people, it's like in nature, like I talked about, like the West, like being in the mountains of West Virginia, like that is one of my favorite places to experience the presence of God. Like just to look at his creation and, and, and spend time just quiet in my heart and Hearing him, hearing his creation. He speaks to us through his word. Sometimes he can speak to us through his creation, right? His presence with you. Maybe for some of you, you, you it's like I, I experience God's presence whenever I'm worshiping him. So maybe you get, you get in your car and you crank the music up and you just sing like nobody cares and nobody's watching, right? And you trust that nobody's watching until the dude pulls up next to you and can hear you through the window. But pursue a deeper relationship with him. Be continually filled with the Spirit. And number four, experience joy by creating opportunities for the Holy Spirit to move. And this might be volunteering at church, volunteering in kids' ministry. Can I tell you this is a safe place? This is a safe place for you to exercise that. This is a safe place. Volunteering at LEAP is a safe place for you to create an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to use you. This week, maybe it's sharing the goodness of God two times. Start there. Who are you going to share the goodness of God with? A coworker, a friend, a family member? If it starts here, it'll overflow into our communities, into our workplaces. There's just some very practical, practical ways that we can do that. And this morning, as the worship team sings this song, I'm going to invite you to do something with me. Because I, I know one thing, and one thing I know is that if we don't have a plan... We aren't going to do it. Right? If we don't have a plan, we aren't going to pursue it and we're not going to do it. So this morning, as the worship team sings this song, I'm going to ask you, in your seat pocket in front of you, there's this paper called like message notes. You can pull that out. If you want to pull out the notes part of your phone, uh, notes, notes app on your phone. See, Jesus gave the church a plan. He said, wait, tarry, pray until you receive power. Then be my witness. And then he even goes on. He says, first in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then to the ends of the earth. So he, had, he gave them a plan on how, to experience, on, on how to experience 
the power of Pentecost. And so this morning, I'm going to ask you, would you go through these four areas and make a plan on how in your life you're going to pursue these things? How, you, how will you clean your house? How will you, how will you begin to filter the things in your life or the things that come into your life? How will you avoid distractions and be devoted? How will you prioritize these, those four areas of, of, being in God's, of being in God's word, of being involved in community with other believers, of, of being in God's presence and, and spending time in prayer? How will you continually make time to, to be in the presence of God and continually be filled? How will you experience joy and create opportunity for the Holy Spirit to work in? work through you. And we're going to leave these practical examples on the screen. Actually, Trent's going to, every few seconds, every 10 seconds or so, he'll flip back and forth between these two slides as they sing this song. But would you make a plan with me this morning? Would you make a plan on how you're going to pursue the power of Pentecost in your everyday life? Would you, would you sing this morning?